Welcome to Peace for Everybody, a podcast with Franca and friends, where we co-create a culture of peace that begins in our bodies. the beginning of 2022 been for you. I'm really excited about this year. Not only because 22 is my favorite number, <laughs> but because I'm really looking forward to my upcoming work projects and especially the guests that I will have on this podcast soon. I'm also really curious to hear from you how the conversations so far have been resonating with you and if you have any ideas or feedback you would like to share with me. Just send me an email or DM me on Instagram and I would love to connect with you. You can find all the details and how you can reach me in the show notes. So for today's episode, I had the great pleasure to sit down with Adelina East. We speak about her super interesting and inspiring career. Come hang with us and listen to receive lots of practical guidance on humanitarian and healing work and just how that translates to the ups and downs of daily life on this planet right now. Adelina East is an international lecturer, educator, mental health expert and healer, working with a global clientele to recover from trauma and bring forth inner guidance. Founder of Transformational Healing, Adelina draws upon her neuroscience and counseling backgrounds, as well as her spiritual gifts to lead others through a spirit-driven process to retrain their brains and reawaken their bodies, creating profound change. Adelina's decade-long career with the United Nations and other humanitarian aid organizations brought her to serve thousands of people in eight countries to overcome trauma and welcome innate wisdom to heal. Here is our conversation. Enjoy. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome Adelina to the podcast Peace for Everybody. I'm so happy we can sit down together and have a conversation. I've been really excited to welcome you. Thank you. Me too. I'm so excited to be here. Um, so in the last couple of episodes, it's become like a mini tradition to do a geographical check-in with my international guests. So when people are listening can kind of connect to like uh, in physical space where we are. So from where are you tuning in today? I am joining you from Los Angeles, but I'm originally from New York. Okay. So Los Angeles to Hamburg to wherever you're listening to right now. I just love this. I'm such a visual person. So this triangle of connection and exploring different ways, how to uh, sense collective consciousness. Um, well, yeah, I was, when you sent me your bio, I was just, uh, like, wow, you know, <laughs> I've known you now, like for almost two years or so. And sometimes I get so used to like that. Uh, I know you and that we uh, meet in our mastermind so regularly, but it's been again, like a reminder of what, um, very, uh, outstanding work you do and just Super wonderful person you are. <laughs> Thank you, Franca. So are you. Yeah, I think that's a good thing about the mastermind is that you just kind of come as who you are and we have a nice 
conversation and help each other figure things out. And we don't have to get so much into the, my background is this, my background is that. Yeah. You know, it's a meeting of the minds. I like it that way. Yeah. Um, like, um, just had our mastermind before this conversation, actually. And the one topic we were speaking about is how beautiful it is to have someone guide you. Um, especially if you're a person who, um, themselves is like, holding space for other people um and that's something you are doing as well very much so um i think it would be like nice to go into what it means for you um what does it mean for you to guide other people in their healing like what does it what does it mean for you let's keep the question short um, so what I do is called transformational healing. And basically this is a, a modality that I came up with on my own with, of course, the help of God and the guides, um, when I was going through my own journey with chronic pain and trauma. And what I always have heard from the guides is that if you choose to take on the responsibility of being someone's guide to lead them to their own form of healing, whatever that may be for them, you have to take it pretty seriously. It can also be incredibly fun, and it usually is, but it's something important. And it's, in my opinion, something that we chose to, to take on, so to speak, when we came into this human incarnation, like both you and I and the other ladies in our mastermind. And I think that because this is something that was, it's a gift that was given to us before we came into this incarnation, when we dropped into these human bodies, it wasn't so much a choice of like, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. One thing that I've been thinking about so much over this uh, holiday break that we just had is that as I was creating Uh, transformational healing and really defining the boundaries of what it was and learning from the guides how to use our brain's natural capacity for change to help us heal, to help us achieve, to help us meet our goals, whatever the purpose was. It was always with the knowledge that this was a responsibility because there have been so many people over the course of our lifetimes and so many others that haven't really taken that responsibility seriously, who've just sort of led people halfway back to themselves, so to speak, and then just sort of said goodbye. And so for me anyway, when I think about what it is to guide people towards healing, it's about guiding them back to their very own soul, guiding them back to the healing that they know is possible. And really sticking through it, like not disappearing, not abandoning, really being there and sitting with them while they're in pain because we have to transmute pain into beauty, right? There's kind of no other way to do it. And so there is a period of time where you are sitting in some pain. And I think that a true guide, a true healer can sit with someone while they're in their pain and help them lead them to transmute it themselves. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds very beautiful. If everyone had taken that responsibility so seriously and understood it so well, that would have helped me personally a lot. Me too. <laughs> yeah. But it made us the healers we are today. 
you know yeah that's true so um you say you're working to heal trauma um what's what's kind of your uh your working understanding and definition of what trauma actually is because it's like such a hype term oh um, it's so hyped <laughs> especially after the last couple of years where we've had this global trauma um yeah i think the boundaries of trauma have gotten really lax which is okay um so for me i i'm a trained trauma counselor that was my I would say probably second career in this lifetime. My first was in film production, which always makes me laugh when I think about it today. Um, not because it's a funny profession, but because it's hard for me to imagine um, putting so much energy out there all the time. It was a lot. Uh, and so when I was a trauma counselor, I, I trained with some of the greats. I was so lucky to train with the greats. And then I was lucky to, well, not lucky, but also I worked really hard for it. Um, to go practice with the UN and UN Women and WHO. And what I learned about trauma in those spaces was that trauma is very um, minimally defined, so to speak, as a, a major moment of life change that is perceived by the person to be negative. And so that could be an earthquake, a tsunami, um, domestic violence, et cetera, et cetera. But, and I understand why that was the working definition because funds are limited and uh, that organization is spread out all over the globe. But in my own personal practice, in my private practice and the clients that I see here, I expand that definition to be anything that negatively impacts you. So a car accident, um, I think, Literally every person on this planet can honestly say they feel some trauma from the last couple of years, the lockdowns and the loneliness and the fear of this um, thing that's out to get us, apparently. And so I expand the definition of trauma to be anything that you're really struggling with that has left what feels like a permanent negative imprint on you. I believe in my my practice of transformational healing is that we can heal a lot of the things that are happening in our brains. And so if our brain is processing something as trauma, we need to meet our brain where it's at. We need to meet it at that traumatic place, rewrite over that traumatic memory with something that's loving and empowering. And in my practice with transformational healing, after we do that, we also use specific tones sent through me by the guides to work with the brain even further to cement in that new memory, that new experience, to replace the old one, to allow our minds, bodies, and spirits to rid itself of that trauma. And I think after the last couple of years, everyone is going to need some form of trauma work, just to be very blunt about it. It can also be very healing and uplifting. Yeah. Um... But like I had like questions in my head while you were speaking, and but you were already giving me all the answers to them. Oh, we're, we're a little telepathic that way, um, Franca. Um, so um, you were speaking about the brain specifically, and that you work to rewrite trauma in the brain. Um, if you, if we expanded for a moment to see like the whole physical body, what what happens in the physical body after trauma, and the way that you work with it. 
Wow, that is a huge question. And that is the topic of a really fun lecture that I could give for like two hours. But um, give me one one aspect <laughs> that stands out for you right now. Okay. So the, the most important part I would say that I work with is the, the limbic brain part. So our limbic brain is the part of our brain that deals with emotion, processes memories, and it also has so many other functions that people never talk about. When the limbic brain is out of sorts, so to speak, it affects our hormonal output, which affects not only our mood and how we feel, but also affects our reproductive organs and all of those kinds of things. So what I work with in transformational healing is the limbic brain. We start there and then we work through the body because when a trauma occurs, your brain goes into fight, flight, or freeze. So you can either, let's say we're back in the Paleolithic times, there's something that's attacking you. You're living completely outdoors. You can either fight off that thing, that bear, let's say you can run away from the bear Or you freeze because you're just petrified and don't know what to do. And when that happens, your brain kicks everything into overdrive. It stops digestion. It stops reproductive functions. And it moves into pumping out more blood to your muscles to help you run faster. And um, you actually, if you go into a deep enough phase of flight, Your eyes can't see peripherally as well because you have these like blinders on to help you run away more quickly to only see ahead of you. It causes all kinds of physical functions to happen that we don't even think about. So when you're in that place of trauma and every time you think back to that memory of trauma or you get triggered by that memory of trauma, your body goes back into that again. And what happens over time is that your body goes into such chronic stress from not being able to digest anything, not being able to carry out any reproductive functions. This includes women's cycles and all of those kinds of things um, that your body doesn't really know which way to go anymore. And that's when things in the physical body start, which is how it happened for me. And that's why I most end up working with people who've had that experience because I know how it feels. I get it. It's the worst. But over time, as we start working with the brain to recover from that trauma, your body gets out of that fight, flight, or flee, fight, flight, or freeze state and goes back into being able to digest your food, being able to carry out the other functions, being able to secrete the right amounts of serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine to keep you feeling good instead of feeling depressed and scared. So, I'm always going to be a really big proponent of trauma healing because I think it can lead to so many other beautiful things. But lately my practice has bent even more towards um, goal setting and what do you want for your life? Because I'm, as you work with clients over a period of time, they end up healing their trauma and they're like, actually, I feel wonderful. Like I wake up every morning excited for the day and I feel pretty good, but now I would like to achieve all of these different things, or I'd like to start my own business, or I'd like to find a creative endeavor to pursue. But when you're locked in trauma, you don't have the energy for any of those things. So I've found transformational healing to be effective for both, both for trauma healing, mind, body, and spirit, and also for goal achievement. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I'm, 
Uh, I'm also a friend of like uh, not getting stuck in like the energy of like in the negative space because the job is to somehow get out of that. Um, not by ignoring it, but by, uh, you know, as you say, rewriting or transforming. Um, and as the name of this podcast is Peace for Everybody. Um, I'm curious, like also with your experience of working in like, different countries and for the United Nations, um, what's your experience of how maybe also you personally, how do you experience peace in your body? And when is, when is it accessible and when is it not accessible or how can you create it for yourself when it's maybe not there? Oh, I have a million methods. Um, so one of my first favorite methods is different breathing techniques. So one of the breathing techniques is the, the one minute breath where you breathe in for 20 seconds, hold for 20 seconds, breathe out for 20 seconds. And that takes some working up to. It's not something that you can do overnight, but it is something that I practice probably two or three times a day when I start to feel stressed or when I start to feel like the world is um, asking too much of me and I can't possibly get all of this done in one day or whatever the case may be. I dip into one minute breath and that really helps me to chill out. Um, and that's a really quick way also, just in terms of your limbic brain, to convince your limbic brain that it's all okay and that you can relax, you can rest and digest now. Um, and if you want to make that practice even more restful for you, if you happen to be at home, prop your knees up or your feet up on something so that your heels are not touching anything at all. And that brings your body into a parasympathetic nervous system place where you truly can rest and digest, your body can repair, your cells begin to repair themselves. And I actually have this really short couch in my house. It's my first couch in like seven years. Um, but it's perfect for like propping my feet up on and having my heels be free. And so I lay down on that and practice the one minute breath. Another way that I feel peace in my body is to move it. I'm pretty hyperactive. I was diagnosed very young as hyperactive and we never did any medications for it or anything. I just have learned how to work with it. And so I love to, as I'm on the phone with someone, pace around my apartment. And the minute I get at least 30 minutes of free time, I have to go outside and take a walk. And that helps me feel peace in my body too. It gets some of the energy out. I think that the the contact of my shoes to the ground um, help me to release whatever I've been hearing about. Because as a, a trauma healer, you do hear a lot of things. You hear a lot of sadness and pain. And it's important to discharge that, to bring peace back into your own body. So that's how I do it. Give it a try. I hope it works for all of you. Yeah, sounds really cool and practical. Things to do at home. Um, well, I'm just at like 10 seconds, maybe with that one minute breath, 10 seconds each. <laughs> Good for you. That's awesome. That's I, when I started, I could only do five seconds at a time. Yeah. It's a building up thing. Yeah. It's not about the 20 seconds. It's about no. lengthening the, the different breath. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, 
one of that's one of like the breath practices I like the least. Oh, which one is <laughs> your favorite? I find the, find the most challenging. Um, I I like I love Sitali Pranayam, the one that you breathe mm. in through the road tongue because it's so cooling from the inside, and yeah. especially for like anything inflammatory, inflammatory. Mm -hmm. um, It's very nice to have like uh, cooling from the inside, something that not many people can uh, show you how to do. Just like, yeah, cool from outside or do something, you know. Why don't um, you teach us how to do it right now? Uh, yeah, you, you just uh, roll your tongue and stick it out of the mouth. And if you can't roll your tongue, that's totally fine. You just pretend that you roll it and just have it out of your mouth a little bit. And then you breathe in through the rolled tongue. And keep the tongue out as you exhale through the nose. And just continue breathing in through the roll tongue and exhaling through the nose. And as you do that, just deepen the breath and see like, um, what happens to the quality of the air that you get from this breath and where it goes in the body. I'm quite fascinated uh, from this breath. Me too. They say like 26 rounds, it's a good time to do daily of this, like 26 Inhale, 26, exhale. Oh, good to know. I'm dying for someone. I would love for someone with a PhD, just because it's the acceptable way to put research into the world right now. I'm not saying it's necessary. I'm just saying it's the way the world works at the moment. I would love for someone with a PhD to do a ton of research on all of those different breathing methods, because I think we would find out so much. Like I can speak anecdotally about what works for me, But I'm a nerd and I want to know all the different brain processes that happen as we do those breathing practices. Yeah, that would be so cool. Just another layer of validation to reach also more people who understand through this channel, like, oh, this is something that works for these kind of reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But until then, I'm also fine that I get to have the experience and share it that way. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Um, so what what was your goal when you started your second career as a trauma counselor and you worked like uh, with people in different countries? What was your motivation to do that and what made you change it to have a healing practice now for yourself? Oof. Um, well, I would say in all honesty, my motivation started out with, I can't do this film production thing anymore because I feel like I'm meant to do a lot more. Um, it started with a major Saturn return for your listeners who are not super into astrology. Your Saturn return is usually happens between when you're 29 and 31 And uh, Saturn goes back to the place where it natally was when you were born. And something about that period of time just throws everything into a tailspin. There's usually a major uh, life lesson that you have to learn. You feel really ungrounded, unstable. And for me, that Saturn return was um, realizing that this film production life that I had really dedicated my 20s to was not working. I felt like Yeah, I was helping, you know, productions raise money and I was helping um, actors get promo that they needed and uh, helping the assistant directors on set get everybody to set on time. But I felt like 
I wasn't a part of the creative process there. And I fully believe in the creative process. I think we all need movies. We all need TV, especially the last two years. Oh my God, I've seen everything on Netflix. Um, But there's a certain fun to the creative process of doing that. And that wasn't really my job. And I couldn't really see myself doing the creative part of that job. It didn't feel right. And so I had two people in my life at the time, one of my friend soulmates, Yuvini, and my partner at the time who worked for um, the UN in various capacities. And I would listen to them talk about their work and it was so meaningful and it was so major. And it just, every time they would talk about it, I would be like, oh, that is what I'm meant to do. I know that's what I'm meant to do. I have to figure out how to do this now. I have the wrong degrees. I have the wrong this, the wrong that, you know, all of the ways that you talk yourself out of doing what you know you're meant to do. Um, and so I, it really was just God, I think. I applied to a teaching position in Timor-Leste and I got it with very little experience. My my soul friend and I had been teaching um, the lost boys from the Sudan, how to, um, get ready for their English equivalency exams. And so I learned somewhat about teaching English from that, but like, it was not formal at all. And I was really honest about that. And I got the job anyway. And the job was in Timor-Leste, my favorite country in the whole world. It's this tiny country between Indonesia and Australia. And I started teaching there and I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Um, one Saturn return marriage later, (laughs) I moved to Portugal to be with my love at the time. And then his work moved us to Bosnia. And in Bosnia, I started my first women's NGO. And that was really it. Like once I started that, I started working with survivors of domestic violence. I got the, the appropriate degrees to do so. I, um, moved back to Timor and uh, got my job with the UN and did a lot of different things in that job too, from communications to counseling, lots of different things. And I loved that work. And then I moved all over the world doing that work and it was beautiful and amazing. And I'm so grateful for it, but I ended up having this massive health meltdown Um I went from my job back to the States finally. And on the way home, I met my my former husband, um, who's German. You've heard all about him. Um, and we fell really madly in love really quickly. And he could not fathom living all over the place. And we really wanted to have kids. So we moved back to New York. I worked for the UN in New York. Um, working at headquarters was very different for me. I am not a headquarters kind of girl. I really march to the beat of my own drum. I don't love being told what to do. Um, And it didn't work out so great for me. But we were there to have kids. And then kids didn't happen. And kids didn't happen. And kids didn't happen. And my body went through this massive meltdown. My mind went through this meltdown. And that was the point where I you know, for those of you who I've talked to before, you know, the whole story, I saw 27 doctors, no one could figure out what was wrong. And then finally, I started creating my modality transformational healing, that helped to heal my mind first, of all of the trauma that I experienced, listening to other people's trauma, and also living in countries where it was 
really bad to be a woman, very hard to be a woman. Um, lots of abuse and things happened. And so once I was able to heal my mind, then my body followed. But I think you were saying this right before we started recording, you know, your body is always the last thing to respond. It's so annoying. We can raise our vibration, raise our vibration. We feel good, emotionally good, spiritually good, but then the body takes the longest to heal for many of us. So that's definitely my story. And it's, it's still in progress. It's not perfect. And I don't know that it will ever be. And so, um, you know, something you and I have talked about a whole lot is like how to find your peace when your body is not exactly the way you want it to be. And so that's what I aim to do with transformational healing and all of the healing work that I do with people. Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, we as people who experience this kind of uh, unperfect health or whatever, you know, uh, I think we have so much to give because we really get to train like in the first uh, primal battlefield, you could say the first sphere and with the own body, what it means to learn to live in peace with something that you're kind of prone to be at war with. Um, at least like, it was for me for a really long time uh, the way that I related to my body in some ways mostly unconscious was really uh, adversarial <laughs> um, so I think it's very uh, precious the experience to that there are and there are so many people you know who have had chronic illnesses or some other kind of uh, health issues and so many of them who've also had the experience what it means to heal And I love to think of like all these little light dots walking the earth who carry this experience to befriend the closest like 3D uh, space, the own body. And I somehow feel like it, it radiates out into like the rest of the 3D world as well and beyond, of course. Like it's very tangible. I feel the what changes in the way we relate with body as an expression of like the whole planet we live on. I so agree. And I think that for some of us, we have uh, sort of taken up the mantle with that. Like, I think we can look back on the greats who did that with such grace and such ease and try to think about how we can bring that energy into the world now too. Yeah. Is there something that you think you would have liked to know before or that would have helped prepare you better to um, walk this path of going abroad and working with people who have trauma in other countries? Because like, there's very much uh, people that, I, um, that are in my peer group, so to say, that are in this phase that they are starting to go somewhere. They, they are like young professionals and they are had this dream of like, where can I go to have impact? And, you know, the United Nations is always such a big, like, guiding light for so many that I know, and including me formerly. Um, yes, there's something that you, you have, like, as advice to your former, not to your a younger self or to people who think about this kind of career. I have so much. And I have to say, this is one of my favorite things to talk about because I think about this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all... Um, Yes. My first piece of advice would be that, yes, I do think that the UN has the best security 
in terms of you not getting killed overseas. Um, however, there are other organizations out there that have better um, uh, abilities to promote from within that have more love and uh, aftercare, so to speak, for their employees. And so definitely look into that because I have never met a single living soul. And I, I swear on this. I've never met a single living soul coming back from doing humanitarian work back to their home country or moving to another country to be with their partner or whatever, who does not need aftercare. You will need medical aftercare. You will need mental health aftercare. I don't care how amazing you are. I don't care how brilliant you are. I don't care how many degrees you have. It affects you. And so that would be my number one piece of advice to myself when I was getting ready to go do that was like, prepare a soft landing pad before you go, because you will need it when you get back. Um, and some people choose to stay out forever. And I firmly believe that if I had not met my former husband, that would have been me. Like I had planned to go back to New York for a month or two, or maybe even six months and then go back out into the field because it's just so rewarding. Um, and be prepared to be forever changed by the experience because it is the most, it sounds terrible to say this, but it is probably the most rewarding experience you'll ever have to watch the changes happen because of things that you and your team are doing. It's phenomenal. Um, the third piece of advice I would give is something very practical. So there is this certain kind of drink that you can only get from Canadian doctors that lines your intestines. <laughs> get that drink before you go and make sure that you get like a few years supply. You drink it every six months. You don't get any parasites. It's fantastic. I did not learn about this drink until I was at the end of my career and I have dealt with gut stuff ever since. I still take like 5 billion probiotics a day. So get that drink before you go. Maybe actually German doctors have it now too. I know Americans don't because they love to make money off of, you know, anti-parasitic pills and big pharma and all of that. But your country is more honest. Maybe they have it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um... just uh, running through the things you said again, making like a list. <laughs> um, so um, in terms of, you said it's so rewarding to see the changes that you can um, create. Is it like, um, how do you see the relationship or the, I don't know, maybe, how do you see the uh, healing that happens individually and collectively? Like, how do they, like, go together? Or what's, like, what was the focus for you? Or how to bring them together? Hmm. That's a really interesting question. Um, well, I worked with survivors, so... The healing that I would see on like a daily basis would be um, 
So let's say they were survivors of a war, which was the case in many different countries. I would see them start to put their lives back together, you know, clean up their houses after they've been destroyed and be able to live in them again, uh, find their children. That's always a really big rewarding thing. Um, and be able to put back together their lives as much as they could from a, a very personal perspective. The, the beauty that hit me the most was when I worked with programs that would help survivors of domestic violence leave their abusive relationships and started programs to allow them to be financially responsible for themselves and all of their kids. And that was done through microloans and through farming collectives. And so watching that progression for me was so beautiful. And I have to say also healing because we went through a lot of that in my family too. Um, it was very healing to watch women learn how to support themselves and their kids when they were given literally zero opportunities to learn before beforehand. Um, not because of any fault of their own, but just because of broken institutional systems. And I think that many of the most rewarding and to put it quite frankly, heartwarming situations that I found there we could also have in this country. We just need to figure out some better systems. Um, and there is this, jumping back a little bit to your earlier question of what, what would you tell your younger self? There is also this sense of having worked in all of these countries and seen all of these programs that work and that change people's lives. When you get back to your home country, there is this sense of like, oh my God, we suck. What the hell? Like, look at what I was able to do with $500,000 in this other country. Like we have more money here than anywhere else. Like how can there be homeless people? How can there be women that are still unable to leave their abusive partners? Like how is this happening? So there is also that sense of like, I know everything now and everything that I've done in these other countries needs to be implemented in my country right now. So prepare for that feeling as you go home. <laughs> Know that you will have it. Know that, of course, you can choose to work in one of your home country's NGOs and start working on those things. Um, but it also, you might also come to the conclusion that you would rather work with individuals, as I did, um, and as I was led to do, because the, the healing starts at the individual level, I think. Hmm. I don't know if I even answered your question at all, but I, I think I did. I don't know if it even was a real question. <laughs> Uh, what do you think? Uh, so I, yeah, I agree that healing starts at the individual, mm -hmm. um, and then and then moves into community spaces, and then um, you know continues on like this. So, what's your as you've moved to work more uh, on the surface, like with individual healing, which, as we just said, <laughs> it's just the the beginning where collective healing also comes from. Um, what was the beginning of the question that I had? Wait one moment. <laughs> um, Working on the individual level. Ah, yeah. Um, you, you said like, uh, how can this be that we have all these resources, but still we see what we see? 
So I guess, you know, we can agree that there are structural um, and whatever, you know, kind of reasons that it's intentionally kind of kept that way by powers that be whoever, what's your take on this? Um, what do you do to kind of live with this knowledge that things could be so possible and yet they aren't right now or they are not yet uh, the way people could see it or the solutions that would be there? Um, how... How to move on creating, knowing that actually it should already be happening? Um, there's a, a quick way I move on and a longer term way that I'm trying to move on. So the quick way that I move on is that I um, constantly practice certain things that help me not take on the empathic pain of that. Because when I first returned home from overseas, I felt everybody's everything. So I would walk past a homeless person on the street and see because of my spiritual gifts, I would see everything that they had been through to get to where they were then. And I would feel all of that. And it was incredibly overwhelming and so painful. And so Source has given me a bunch of different practices to release that empathic pain that I work on all the time. I'm constantly teaching them. If you, anybody scrolls through my Instagram, they'll see a few right away um, in the IGTV videos. But I think that... Uh, The, the part of it that takes a longer time to process is that these institutions are broken. And I love that we have the freedom to vote to change them, but we've been voting to change them for a long time. <laughs> It's not happening. And so um, I have to do things. It's very much like going from working for the UN to having my own private practice. I have to do what I have to do to be able to live with that. And so what I have to do is to help other people to heal. What I have to do is to pack sandwiches in my bag every time I leave the house and give sandwiches to homeless people. What I have to do to be able to live with that is to um, donate a certain number of sessions every month to women who are really deeply in need. And that's how I live with it. I fully know that... Um, When I first returned home from working overseas, my intention was to run for office. And I had people backing me up to do that. And then I got incredibly sick. And the universe was like, nope, that's not what you're going to do. You are not going to run for office. You're going to run a healing practice. Um, for which I'm grateful because I actually think that would be quite something. I really applaud women who, who do that. Mm. Um, and I support them as well as I can too. And so I think it's really a personal matter. How can you as a human being live with what's going on around you? It's going to take some empathic release for sure, but it's also going to be the little things that you can do to make it less awful for just that one person that one day. Mm, yeah, I think that's really wise words that uh, to ask the question, what do I need to do? And nobody has to have the answers for the whole humankind because it's an evolutionary process and we can't know what's going to come because it hasn't been there yet. And maybe it's like so beyond our imagination. We can't have a plan for it, but we somehow must move forward. So this uh, idea of that everyone has like their path and the more they're willing to step into it, the more we are actually working for peace without forcing it like, okay, now we're going to create peace on earth. How do we do it? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because it isn't working that way on that level, on this uh, large scale intellectual level. Yeah. So. 
very much from the inside. I, let's hope, you know, no guarantees, but I've tried both ways now. And I can tell you <laughs> this way is definitely a bit more um, gentle on my body. And so it's what I personally need to do now. I do think there are people who are reincarnated in this time in order to run for office, in order to change those big institutions. Yeah. That's what they need to do. Yeah. I'm so grateful to them. Yeah. Hmm. It's really beautiful to witness the way that you take care of your body in, in your business and in um, uh, with the path and the healing journey that you have taken to create and be a role model of how it can be um, gentle on the body and to take the body with us on our path uh, one step after the other for you know, whatever your intentions and goals are, I would always say full peace. Um, so what are your next steps? What are you planning to do on your path? Thank you. First of all, that was very sweet of you, Franca. <laughs> um, my next steps are that I have started a mastermind of like-minded souls who are entrepreneurs and or working in businesses that they're really passionate about. And these women are coming together once a week and we talk through whatever needs to be dealt with that day. So every person gets a few minutes to speak and share their current challenge. And then we all chime in and give some ideas. And this group just started last week. So I'm starting up another one as well. Uh, and I look forward to sharing more information about that soon. I'm so loving this newest incarnation of this business because for so long it was one-on-one -on -one healing sessions and that was it but it's always changing so after one-on-one -on -one healing sessions it became more so about a mentorship program where i was mentoring people to dive into their spiritual gifts and perhaps even start their own businesses And now the newest incarnation is working with those same women to help them promote their businesses and get more um, out there, so to speak. So I still do healing sessions and I still mentor people. But my, my big passion right now is this mastermind program. So I'm looking forward to opening up another mastermind in a couple of weeks. And I would encourage your beautiful listeners to stay tuned by following me at Adelina East. I spell my name a little differently. It's A-D-A-L-I-N-A -A, East, like the direction, on Instagram or Adelina East Healing on Facebook. Um, and be in touch. That sounds amazing. Um, just what I've seen in like the last one and a half, two years of like how you've evolved in your business and how your ability to hold space for people to grow. I'm really excited to see the next iterations of that. And really also in the vision of uh, that there are people out there that are creating collectives and communities of people who are working from an individual um, like uh, calling to grow and evolve and uplift and to bring that into, into the space. So really happy to know that uh, the wheels are turning <laughs> thank you my love wheels are turning on your end too i'm so excited for you <laughs> thank you um yeah thank you so much for this conversation i think we touched on really a lot of different points and angles 
um, looking forward to um, bring this podcast episode out into the world and uh, to talk with you next week again. Yeah. <laughs> I have the pleasure and the luxury. <laughs> I have the pleasure and the luxury. Thank you, Franca. <laughs> Thank you so much, Evelina. Have a beautiful day. You too. You are listening to Peace for Everybody, a podcast with Franca and friends where we co-create a culture of peace that begins in our bodies. If it resonates, please subscribe, review and share this podcast with your friends. You can connect with me through my website francarauchrauch.com. Let's be at peace and on fire today.